Welcome to a slice of orange. I'm Jody Balma, and we're talking with Nancy Watkins, candidate for the Orange County Board of Education. She is going to tell you why this race is so important, why we should really vote from the bottom up, uh, and why it's important to make school boards boring again. Let's get started. So welcome. Today we're talking with Nancy Watkins, who's running for the Orange County Board of Education. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have this conversation with you. So lots of people don't understand that we even have a county board of education. So we're going to cover that. We're going to talk about why you're running, why this race is so important. But let's start with a little bio of who you are and what experience you bring to this race. Well, great. Thank you. So I am an educator to my core for my career, but I raised uh, all three of my boys here in Orange County all attended public schools. I am a public school product, and I determined very young that I was going to become a teacher. So I have taught for 30 years in public high school. I taught government, economics, and philosophy to 16 and 17-year-olds, which are great topics for for kids to to know. Uh, And then I retired in 2019 after 30 years of teaching. I was, um, I failed at retirement and was very fortunate (laughs) to Uh, be hired at Cal State Fullerton, where I'm currently an associate professor of educational policy and leadership. And then I also direct the doctoral program. Uh, And I'm also a very proud Navy wife for my husband, Dr. Daryl Watkins, um, veteran, and also a leadership professor for Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. Ah, wonderful. So this is not a primary election. This is one and done in this March or June election, whenever it occurs, um, there are only two candidates for each of the three seats. So somebody is going to get a majority of the votes, which isn't always the case. Sometimes it's, you know, a a plurality just because they get more than the other. Um, But hopefully we will be able to inform and educate and engage voters about why this race is so important um, and can can you talk a little bit about what the Board of Education has been doing lately um, that probably has made this campaign a little bit easier because they've been in the news so much the past couple of years? You know, I, I, I love all of the campaigns that say make school boards boring again um, so that we can ignore them because we know that rational people who have been elected to make good public policy. Um, but that has not been the case in Orange County for our local school boards um, and for the County Board of Education. So what what inspired you, what motivated you to run for this office? Uh, Well, that's a great question. Um, It really does come from a place that education needs allies and we need people who have knowledge and experience in education, leadership and policy to help make decisions to put our county school board and our local school boards back onto uh, a, a good track for kids. So the Orange County Board of Education is not well understood by, by many because it has a very limited jurisdiction. Uh, their direct students that they serve are the most vulnerable students in Orange County. These are students who are in special education Um, alternative education like access, and in the juvenile hall education programs. And in total, it's around 3,000 students that these students directly serve. 
The county board also has several symbolic roles, however, throughout the county. The one function that they have that I would argue is one of my reasons for jumping into this race, because this has been a power that is abused, is that they get to hear a charter petition, charter school petitions on appeal. And this has been uh, an area where we're seeing some shifting in the powers between local school districts and the county. So for example, I'll, I'll use a, a very recent example, Placentia Yorba Linda Unified School District, their elected school board denied a charter petition for a charter organization called the um, California Republic Leadership Academy. Now, CRLA, as the acronym is, was already approved in capo on petition by the county board with a 5-0 supporting vote, despite concerns that their curriculum did not meet the state framework. This same charter organization was denied in Placentia or Belinda and then appealed to the county board of education and the county board approved it. So that's a power grab away from a local district because now taxpayers in Placentia or Belinda are going to be responsible for a charter organization that their elected officials did not think was good for their district. And that type of overuse of power and approving charter schools that are uh, not of high quality and only serve a very small portion of the population is a dangerous power grab by the Orange County Board of Education. The and it has other, major implications for the local school district of yes. facilities, of budget, I, I mean, just the classrooms that are taken for the charter. And when it has been denied by the local school board, they then are forced by this appeal to, to actually accommodate that that yeah, chart. and I, I love that you use the word taken because to use a different district, we've also are seeing this in Orange Unified, which as you're aware, is in the middle of a recall election for right. two board which members. Which will also be on the, on the March on primary, the March uh, ballot. On that March ballot. But one charter school that was already operating in Orange Unified that had been approved by the county board um, is attempting to take over one of the public sites, 24 of 25 classrooms. And it happens to be, again, a very vulnerable population, predominantly Latinx, predominantly um, Title I. And this is, a, a again, a connect the dots between powers that are trying to dismantle public education. I know that sounds really strong, but that is what the actions that we're seeing from multiple actors are attempting to do. Um, and, and then I will just kind of tack on that the second big reason, and I think it's embedded in these other reasons, is that the current county board has wasted $10 million in the last five years on absolutely frivolous lawsuits, lawyers' fees, um, their litigation, and the lobbyists. So $10 million, in fact, the, there's a meeting this week, and the latest invoice is $49,000 for the month of December which, oh. as we know, is a, a shortened month. And there's no description about how this money is being sent. It's just, it's not itemized with any description. So $10 million is money that could have been used for the kids that the Orange County Board directly right. serves. And right. these are lawsuits where they've sued the governor over COVID protocols. And 
the state superintendent of public and instruction, Tony Thurman, over COVID protocols, where they've sued the county superintendent, Dr. Al Mijares, over COVID protocols. And it's such just such a waste of money that I, as a taxpayer, would like to right. stop that frivolous spending. Yeah, and, and, and they were truly frivolous and baseless lawsuits and often were rejected in court as being baseless. Um, so it, it has been just an overwhelming waste of money uh, for, for these lawsuits. And the, the, the candidate that you are challenging, the incumbent, Ken Williams, has been there for decades. Twenty six um, over twenty six years, twenty six and a half years, and and if you watch, and I know that that is a very small percentage of folks who watch these meetings, but his um, what he brings to the table has you know is is often inaccurate. It is often uh, you know slanderous. It is often baseless. It is often wrong. Um, it, it's just shocking to watch, but because these are low information elections, the fact that he's incumbent is the name recognition that he needs to keep winning. Um, it is not on the basis of a thorough and you know rational review of his performance. It, it, it is just because he's been there. And, and I think that that's a great example as I was just researching win rate of incumbents and trying to make an argument for why we should be paying attention um, to, to not always electing the incumbent. Um, and it's a very high in California. It's like 89% is the win rate for incumbents. But I also like to say that I'm an educator, not a career politician. And I do have that knowledge and expertise to be able to break the echo chamber of the current 5-0 majority and ask some of the harder questions. So uh, I know you, you've pointed out a little bit about um, how Ken Williams has served over the last 26 years. And if anyone were to go back and watch some of the, the recorded meetings, um, it's, it's disheartening in a democracy to see such a tight vacuum where they all just agree and there isn't the critical thinking, there isn't right. A desire to create good policy or good governance. So it was a year ago where Ken Williams introduced a an academic ban resolution where he wished to um, ban, it, it was his version of a critical race theory ban, but without saying CRT in any manner, but it would uh, ban certain books. It was going to ban any flag other than the American flag in a classroom um, and even the Orange County registers in an editorial said that it was preening for Fox News and silly culture wars. That's where Ken is operating. Um, that is not where I'm from. Let's get politics out of the classroom and focus right. on the kids we're supposed to be serving and ensuring that we have inclusive, equitable education for all kids. Yeah, and, and I think that that's so important. Um, they They have just you know, that this cadre on on the board that just congratulates one another and 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 doesn't ask really good questions. And and more distressing for me because I know so many incredible employees of the Orange County Department of Education, um, they do not trust their staff. And so we the taxpayers, you know, have hired these incredible career educators and they are not being listened to by their elected board. So, you know, I always feel an obligation. We owe it to the, the, those employees 
to give them better policymakers. I agree. And the Orange County Department of Ed, as you noted, such incredibly dedicated educators who, despite having obstacles with an unfriendly board, continue to provide services to all of the school districts in Orange County, the professional development, the support services. Uh, And I can't even imagine how challenging it is to not feel like you can share information with your board without it being constantly questioned Um, and questioned not in a not in a way of let me learn more about this, but in behind intent and, you know, all of the the, what we're hearing with all of the tropes from um, everything related to education, they've been demonized. Educators are being demonized. And yeah. that's to promote this agenda uh, to privatize and dismantle public education. Yeah, absolutely. And and so one, one of the things we talk about a lot on, on this podcast is, you know, those low information elections that, you know, we, we now start hearing candidates talking about vote from the bottom of the ballot of really paying attention to these local elections where your vote can absolutely make the difference. And we've seen that, you know, Brea School District had an actual tie that was decided by the roll of a dice. Um, and, and, and I, you know, I can't imagine being either candidate where it's literally a, a roll of the dice that decides the, the direction of your school district. So we want to make sure that people know um, how to vote. Your there are three um, there are three offices on the ballot this uh, election cycle, and so lots of Orange County voters are going to see um, one of the Board of Education races. But talk about District Three. What who who are the voters that you're trying to reach? Thank you for that good question. So yes, um, Area Three is largely North and East Orange County. It's 380,000 voters. So it covers the cities of actually a couple neighborhoods in Fullerton, Brea, Placentia, Yorba Linda, Anaheim Hills, Villa Park, Orange, North Tustin, North Irvine, and then sweeps up into the canyon. What we know for our campaign, for my campaign, is that I need 84,000 votes as my win count. Mm -hmm. So we are doing a lot of effort to get people out as as you mentioned that this is a one and done this is over in march it doesn't carry to november the decision is made by march 5th um, and that we really are encouraging people to start at the bottom of the ballot and vote up the local elections those that are going to impact you directly are going to be at the bottom you know the names at the top go to the bottom and vote up uh, and and I do want to give a, a a quick shout out to the other two candidates in area one, who is Beatriz Mendoza, B. Mendoza. Uh, her predominant cities are Anaheim and Santa Ana, parts of Orange and parts of, of Tustin. And David Johnson, who's the current president of the Westminster School Board, who is running in area four. Uh, the three of us can change the dynamic of this board. Um, We are so excited to be able to represent each of our areas because all three of us believe in education as a cornerstone of democracy. And we see this as an opportunity to calm the narrative, stop the wasteful spending and refocus the county on what matters for county kids. Yeah, I think that's so important. And it is amazing that if all three of you win, you would have the majority because it's a five seat board. 
And so that majority, we talk a lot about that in local politics of can you count to three? Um, because that's what it takes. And it would really make Orange County Board of Education boring again um, with rational discussions of public policy, of the direction of the, that the schools are going. And I think that that's really crucial. Um, yeah, and I like to say lower the temperature. Yes, focused and good governance. Yeah, focused and good governance. And so talk a little bit about what you've noticed, because as as an educator, I'm sure you have the same experience that that I do, which is something is awful and terrible for our community, but really interesting to talk about in class um, as these case studies. And so I'm sure you've experienced that where we have seen um, and, and, and what you were talking about before about the charter schools, you know, that's not just your opinion. We have you know, New York Times has done articles on this phenomenon across the country with Hillsdale College behind the curriculum and 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 organized what we call astroturf efforts to have outsiders show up at the school board meeting. So talk a little bit about what you've witnessed. So it's interesting because there's, as, as we are seeing in, in all levels of politics, an appropriation of a lot of terms that are being misused and intentionally providing disinformation. Yes. So it's very hard to sift through all of the dynamics because I think everyone would agree we don't want pornography in school, as for example, and Correct. no one is advocating for that. Uh, at the same time, People do not want to ban books. They don't like censorship. And most of the national polls show that that is a, is a huge concern. So when some of the terms aren't landing, then there are groups that um, change those terms. We're actually seeing this with the Moms for Liberty group, where now they're trying to change their image because of some of the scandals that have befallen right. them. But I'm really encouraged by the fact that many of the Moms for Liberty candidates that ran across the United States lost in their attempt um, to take over school boards. So we see things like parental rights. Of course, parents have rights. Parents are their first educators and it's enshrined in ed code. So when, when those terms and those that that's kind of being promoted, right. it's, it's being misused to intentionally sow disinformation. Um, I will tell you where I get a lot of my encouragement from, and that is from um, young voters. You know, the, the 18 to 25, which have kind of been um, always said, oh, you're the lowest voter turnout group, they're paying attention right now and they are willing to be active. And we're seeing this with some of the young candidates at different levels of politics. I think of Max Frost in Florida, Cheyenne Hunt in Fullerton, um, Kim uh, Wynn Penalosa, who's running. These yeah. are this next generation of leaders who are saying, we don't want these terms. We don't want this kind of playground in politics because you're hurting our future and our children's future. Um, and so that's where I draw a lot of encouragement is I think school board races because everybody has memories of their time in school. Um, sometimes they are of an amazing teacher who made it a massive impact. Sometimes it's the social events, but people see the value of their community schools in their lives and in their cities. So I, I do believe that the disinformation that is continuing getting pushed out among some of the narrative is falling short now of their intended goal. And people see that public schools are under attack. 
uh, voucher initiatives across the United States, all of the data is showing that these voucher initiatives are draining public funds, Mm -hmm. um, taxpayers' dollars, and that they are not successful and do not change educational outcomes. So pushing out some of that data is important for people to understand because what's what's the end goal? What's going to happen if we privatize all education? Some people are going to get very wealthy. We're going to segregate our schools and kids are going to get left behind. And that's that is absolutely frightening to me. And and we've seen that across the country. Tennessee and Michigan have such clear examples. When we talk about the states being laboratories of democracy, we can see those scientific outcomes. We can see those public policy outcomes that for profit charters have not produced better outcomes, even as they are hand selecting their students. Right. You know, I, I use the example in class of if I was a doctor and I was getting paid on the basis, rated on the basis of the outcome of, of my patients, I, I would only recruit at triathlons. I, I would only select students, patients that were going to perform incredibly well. A great and, analogy. <laughs> and so if, if you have that option as a for-profit charter, and, and again, you know, we have incredible charters. We have incredible for, yes. you know, nonprofit charters. The School of the Arts is amazing. Magnet schools that have been produced. That is not what we're talking about. Correct. Those would not be denied at the local school district level. Um, but we're seeing in Michigan and Tennessee for-profit charters that don't produce better outcomes, that are corruption and grift for, for the, the leaders that are making money. And leaving the students then without without options, and all push, while taking resources away from public schools and pushing ideology, and that's absolutely what they're accusing many of public educators of doing. They're actually doing themselves, and I I one hundred percent agree with you. There are some amazing charter organizations out there, and the best charter schools operate in partnership with their local districts. Of course, so, and the intent behind that was that. Charter schools are intended to be incubators that weren't bound by some of the same state regulations as public schools, um, and that that would there would be some knowledge transfer from charter yeah. schools back to the public education. And we have seen that happen in um, Santa Ana. We've seen it happen in Anaheim, in Orange, um, with those partner charter schools. But this current movement, even though um, many of them would like. Many of those that advocate for for charters will like to say, well, charter schools are public schools. I think the semantic framing in that is important. They're publicly funded, but they're not public schools because they are not governed by an elected board and they're using taxpayers' money to fund their choices for curriculum, for teachers, and even for location. So I think the semantic framing on that is important. And I always say parents have choices. You can choose to send your child to a private school. You can choose to send your child to a pro charter, uh, to a publicly funded charter, to a public school. But it shouldn't be the taxpayer's responsibility to subsidize your choice. We should be investing in our public schools to ensure that everyone has equitable access. Yeah. I, I, I so appreciate you saying that because I think it's so important to understand. and. And 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 some of these, you know, wedge issues, I, I think that that attract people's attention because it seems so outrageous. And of course, we're all opposed. You know, you gave the example of, of course, we're all opposed to pornography. 
in the schools. And of course, we don't want, uh, you know, CRT to be taught to kindergartners. And it it hasn't been taught in K through 12. It's just not a subject that um, teachers have. And, you know, I, I often, when, when Fox News or, or whoever talks about teachers indoctrinating and my teacher friends and I just laugh that if we were going to have the power of indoctrination, we would use it to get them to read the assigned uh, work and turn in their homework, um, that, that, that kind of power. But what are you seeing in this campaign? Uh, are, are, are voters engaged? Are they, are they paying attention? It's so hard to really know um, what the voters are thinking. I appreciate that question. And and I think what makes my campaign a little bit different than others that have come before me or others and even and Ken Williams, um, my opponent's campaign, is that I am completely grassroots funded. I don't have as much money as the incumbent because the charter school pack writes him a one check for two hundred thousand dollars because it's such a wide area. Three hundred eighty thousand voters we recognize that I've got to be out knocking on doors. Um, and I have to say in the weekends that we've been canvassing, it's in incredibly positive conversations. Um, you know, I'm, I'm new to this. I've never been a political candidate before. And it's, it sounds very scary to knock on people's doors. And nowadays, nobody knocks on our doors, right? Right. <laughs> but every conversation I have had, and, and I truly mean, 99.8% of every conversation I have had, people are aware and they are concerned and they're very, very positive for change. So it's really just about how do we reach more people? How do we share our names, you know, be David and, and, and me running for the board? How do we share that name with enough voters so that they can see that the current board, the incumbents on this board are not making good choices for kids in Orange mm -hmm. County? Uh, and so I think the the mood has shifted, but it's constantly fighting that apathy to show up at a primary when people feel sure. like it might not make a difference. Um, it's an intimidating ballot with, I think, 32 judges on the ballot. Um, it's finding the names down at the bottom of yeah. the ballot and voting up. Uh, and I think when people do that, we are seeing a tide change. I also think that this election, especially for the county board, is going to set up what happens in many local elections in November. In November. So paying attention yeah. now will help inform the November local school board elections. Well, you got, you got a little bit lucky with the judges because 33 of the incumbents had no challengers. So they are automatically reelected. So they don't appear on the ballot. So there yeah. will be only three competitive elections. For a judge, so uh, you'll get to the bottom of the ballot a lot faster. Oh, good! Uh, Thank than you. Than we do in November with those retention judges that we have to vote on. Um, so that that simplifies things a little bit. But, but your district, in particular, it, it covers Orange, and and so there's a recall election, and and that has been interesting. It's tough to get signatures for a recall. It's tough to get people to sign. Um, a petition when they may not know what's happening in their local school district. And so that's the only local uh, school district race that is appearing on this particular ballot. Um, and so are you are you seeing people engaged and aware of that uh, of that orange unified school district recall as well? I, I am so incredibly proud of how courageous and organized the community has been 
for this effort. This has been a community-based, parent-based effort to right a wrong. Uh, as we know, um, one of the seats was was a very close election, and it was also funded by many of the same organizations and people who are funding the Orange County Board of Education. Um, and it's concerning to me when you have school board members who do not have children in the public schools, who do not necessarily understand um, the challenges that exist in public education, because it makes me question the motivation. So with the Orange Unified School District recall, the first hurdle, as you mentioned, was getting the signatures. And the fact that they were able to get the signatures and put this on to the ballot, it's a testament to community organization. Uh, it's something I really hope the residents of Orange, I am a, a community member in Orange. So this is also my school district as a community member. I am OUSD too. Uh, how incredibly important it is to ask the questions, pay attention, look at the information so you make your decision. If you're concerned about wasting taxpayers' dollar and fraud and book bans and you know outside agitators coming in to disrupt school board meetings and threatening elected members, right. um, we have an opportunity as a community to, to look at that. And many of those same issues in Orange Unified are because of what has been happening at the county level. And many of the actors are the same political right, actors. Right. We see that. We see so, so much crossover. We see so many of the same faces at all of these meetings and, and on, you know, the signature line of the checks that are funding these Correct. efforts uh, of, of, of really agitating and, and disrupting public education, which I think is so, um, you know, that all, each of these meetings that, that gets commandeered by public comments that last hours and hours and hours means that there is less time for those trustees to to make good governance decisions. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So good. Um, anything I missed? Anything you want to last parting uh, words to the voters? Well, I would definitely say the ballots are coming out soon and that you have an opportunity to really make a change in education in Orange County. Yeah. Uh, if you are in Area 3, I hope that you will consider me as a candidate for um, to serve in this education capacity. And again, uh, you can find more information at Nancy Watkins, the number 4OC.com, which is my website. And I would sincerely just hope people continue to look at what's happening in education this um, attempt to try to control what happens in schools is something that that some bad actors hope will filter up to different levels of politics. And I would just really encourage everyone to vote um, and and support. Absolutely. And this is going to air right as ballots are dropping. So um, fantastic. They, they can <laughs> get out their pen and open their ballots soon. Uh, to Great. do that. And we'll put your website in the show notes so that people can find it easily and see um, more information about you and share it with friends. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. I love this conversation, Jody. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.